Welcome to Opportunity Africa, Unpacking the Continent. Welcome listeners to the latest episode in our podcast series, and I'm very happy to introduce Connect Africa member Tim Dickens, who is based in South Korea. Tim is a partner at DR and AJU LLC, and is also the chairman of the South African Chamber of Commerce. DR and AJU is one of Korea's top six law firms with over 280 lawyers and 50 professionals, including Korean and foreign attorneys, accountants, patent attorneys, and qualified experts and advisors. Tim heads up the Africa desk and is heavily involved in promoting Africa and Korean business relationships. So welcome, Tim. Hi, Brennan. Yes, welcome. Thank you and and welcome to all the listeners. Uh, Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, And seeing though it is the new year, I, I wish you a a prosperous and happy 2023 and successful year of the rabbit. Yeah, thank you very much. And same to you. So, Tim, I mean, obviously, I'm sure some of the listeners um, may be asking, how does a South African and UK qualified attorney end up in Korea? <laughs> yeah, I get that quite often, Brennan. So maybe to give you a bit of background about myself. So I'm born in South Africa in Bloemfontein, of all places. So deep in the heart of the free state, uh, grew up. In Bloom, studied at, at Copsis, the University of the Free State, uh, and was then working as a, a lawyer in a, in a law firm called Lovius Block. But I guess I, I always wanted to do a bit more sort of international-based work. So I thought the sort of next stepping stone for that, particularly from project-based work, was to get the UK-based license. So moved over to London, did the cross-qualification. They call it, at that time, I think it was the QLTT, the, the Qualified Lawyers Transfer Test. Then worked at Linklater's for a couple of years in London before moving out to Seoul. So the main, I guess, point or, or driving force for me to, to move to Seoul at the time was uh, Korea and the EU signed the FTA in 2013, I think. So it opened up the, the legal market for foreign-based firms in Korea. So I think from that time was the first time you had US-based, uh, UK-based firms moving into South Korea. So I was sort of one of the, the originals that came out and, and I joined the firm that I'm currently at, at, at DRNRG. Um, yeah, and it's been now nine years later. So time really flies. Um, in that time as well, I, I met my wife and she's Korean. So I guess that's another uh, factor why I've sort of put my, my roots down in Korea. Yeah, excellent. What an interesting story, all the way from Bloom to South Korea. <laughs> so indeed, anyway, indeed. Uh, as part of the intro, um, and also in terms of your, your role, you, um, you, you are the chairman of the South African Chamber of Commerce. Uh, so maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the chamber and also the, you know, just what role it plays in Korea and, and maybe some of the activities that you get up to. Sure. So the chamber, I was one of the sort of founding members together with one or two other South Africans based out in Seoul. And we, we formed the chamber back in 2017. So we, we're not a particularly old chamber. But I think one of the, the reasons initially that we, we put it together was just to sort of form a base because there's a lot of sort of expat community from South Africa out in, in Korea. Uh, and initially it was more on a sort of social basis to sort of share experiences, help each other with business um, and assistance where where we could. But we then started focusing on facilitating a deeper mutual understanding between South Africa and Korea, because, you know, both are quite close to our hearts, whether that be, you know, family uh, or business-wise, and working for sort of collective best interests um, in respect of our communities and, and making good memories with great friends. Um, on top of that, then, 
one of our benefits in Korea, I would say, or strong points is that we're the only African Chamber of Commerce in Korea. So although we do represent and really focus on South Africa, we also extend that to the sort of broader continent. So we work really closely with, in, in Korea, we have 22 African embassies. Uh, we work really closely with all of them to assist any sort of African business which, which comes out of Korea and vice versa, any African business coming into Korea. Uh, on top of that, we work really closely with um, the Korea Africa Foundation. Now, that is an arm of the Korean Foreign Ministry, which was created back in roughly the same time as the Chamber, around 2017. So we've been very fortunate in that we've grown organically with them and, and assisted them on, on all their projects. So what the, the Korea Africa Foundation is, is um, they purely work on all African-related uh, areas, whether that be you know political, educational, trade, financing, um, for the Korean Foreign Ministry. So it's a, a very high-level organization of the government that deals primarily with those issues. We then also work a lot uh, in tandem with um, Kotra, Kita on this side. Those are the sort of trade investment agencies that also focus on not just Africa, but sort of the general um, markets across the world. Um, and then in terms of events that we have, I mean, like most other chambers, whether that be the Singapore Chamber, yourselves, um, the Mauritian, the London one, we do a lot of networking events. So whether that be um, based on, you know, wine tasting events, uh, we do have art events for sort of African-based art. We do quite a few investment seminars where, for example, last year we had the APSA Bank guys out and, and we focused on the sort of general market trends and the sort of positive points that, that come out of the, the continent. This year, we're planning to have Standard Bank out in around April this year. So we really work closely with that. As an example, last year, December, just sort of a month ago, we went out with the Korea Africa Foundation and Koika and Kita. Uh, we brought out 35 SMEs from Korea down to Cape Town for sort of K-Lifestyle Expo, introducing, I think, those 35 um, companies to about 100 South African buyers. So we're quite active, although we're quite small, because to be honest, there's not a huge amount of, of African business in Korea. Um, but obviously, that's one of the areas that we're looking to to really expand upon because we, we see a huge amount of potential in that. So, you know, we try and be as active as we can. Um, but we've also been very fortunate to start having more collaborative events with, for example, the Singapore South African Chamber, the Mauritian South African Chamber. So that's another area that we're quite excited about for the coming years. That's great. Sounds like you very, very active, which is awesome. So Tim, let's get down to a bit of the business side of things. Uh, so since I've been in Singapore, um, I've often sort of when talking about Africa and the opportunities for investment have come up against the the issue of East and Southeast Asia being obviously uh, a very long way distance-wise from, from Africa. Um, and so given Korea is over 13,000 kilometers from Africa, perhaps you can maybe give us a bit of a, a taste of um, Korea's relations with Africa. I mean, obviously, you mentioned there are 22 uh, um, embassies or, or consulates in, in Korea. So obviously, there's quite a big big presence there. You know, Brennan, it's... And I think this is one of the the issues that we, we do face. As you sort of mentioned, there's the the sort of perception that you know it's a long way away from home. There are other perceptions out in the ether, which is you know, maybe investment is not that secure in terms of you know the investment market itself. There's a bit of instability uh, on the continent. So I would say these are sort of generic discussion points which a lot of Korean companies have traditionally held, which has slightly limited their their investment 
and their influence in Africa. Um, let me give you a couple of examples. So if you look at Korea in terms of its overall investment amount, so Korea's trading with the world, only 1% of that is, is focused on Africa. And likewise, um, the same amount. So only 1% of its overseas investment is focused on the African continent. Now, when you take sort of Korea's neighbors, if we look at China, I think their trade with Africa last year was about 250 billion, which compared to Korea's 9 billion, you know, is chalk and cheese, so to say. Um, likewise, even Japan themselves, I think their trade with, with Africa stood at around 18, 17 or 18 billion for the previous year as well. So there's a massive discrepancy between, you know, Korea's investment and involvement in Africa when we're looking at their neighbors. Now, why that's interesting is, I think if we look at Korea as a potential in terms of their their businesses and, and the, the technologies which they have, I, I think it speaks for itself. You and the listeners will probably know of the Korean conglomerates. It's a, you know, a long list of heavy hitting companies. You've got, you know, Samsung, you've got LG, you've got Daewoo, you've got Doosan. I mean, the list goes on. So in terms of their offerings for, for companies, particularly that are focused on, on sort of power generation companies, infrastructure project companies, um, technology companies, whether that be, you know, general telecommunications or the mobile or the gaming sector. Um, Korea is very strong in the medical industry, not only medical technology, but also in terms of um, medical tourism. Um, as an example, I think China probably has close to sort of 500,000 that probably pop over every two months for, for medical tourism. Um, and then you've got the general consumer products, which are, you know, all encompassing from all the LG TVs, um, mobiles, et cetera. Um, and likewise, I think Korea also has quite a strong offering in terms of the transport sector. Obviously, you've got Hyundai and Kia and Daewoo Motors. Um, on the rail sector, you've got Hyundai Rotem. On shipping, you've had, you know, a good couple of Korean companies, Hyundai Shipbuilding, for example. So in terms of their offering, it doesn't make sense why currently they don't have as large a footprint in Africa as what we would like. I think there's a number of reasons for that. Mm, I think number one, Korea, or actually Korea, interestingly enough, is the one country in the world that has the highest number of FTA, FTAs with, with countries, except it doesn't have any FTA with any African country. So I think even if I take South Africa, for example, that puts a lot of limitations in terms of the import or export of certain goods. Um, as a basic example for, you know, South African wine is fantastic, but they can't quite compete on the Korean market because they are priced in terms of, you know, the Chilean wines or the Australian wines, which do have FTAs with Korea. So I think that's one of the limitations that we do find. However, I would say that Korea is starting to slightly shift, shift in its focus and, and change its view on Africa. Um, I think a number of reasons, I think they, they realize that the, the potential on, on the continent in terms of population, the population expansion, which is, you know, going to jump from 1.4 billion now to probably almost two and a half billion by 2015, uh, 2050, sorry, um, which will be almost double what the Chinese um, current population is. And if we look at Korea's investment and, and trade with China, I think probably 20 to 25% of the, the trade is with China. So um, it makes sense that for such a huge consumer-based market, Korea has to be there. So I think if we can break it down, once you've got the infrastructure, the energy, the roads, et cetera, which green companies can put in, then all these sort of subsidiaries fall into place. So the telecommunications technology, the medical side of things, then the consumer base. So 
there's a huge amount of potential, but I think Korea really needs to focus on 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 really putting that uh, focus of Africa on a sort of a very fast track pace. So one of the areas which they they've really worked on is, as I mentioned, they've created the Korea Africa Foundation, which really focuses and does a lot of good work in 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 that sphere. You've got the Korea Official Development Assistance sort of fund, which is for general projects um, globally, but they've increased their budget purely for Africa up to 25%, I think it is for this year. Um, so that's a good development, but I think there's a lot of work still to be done um, because I, I do think that Korea are slightly behind the eight ball when it comes to the, the offerings of other competitors, uh, even their neighbors um, on this side of the world. So that's where hopefully the chamber and, you know, working to connect Africa and, and our, our, our partners, we can really push the needle because I think there's a lot of potential there. Yeah, my, a lot of bells started ringing when you ran through a number of those brand names. So, um, which, which I've obviously come up against when I travels in Africa. So, um, but now more specifically, if we drill down to Africa, um, I've done a little bit of reading and it seems that Korea is focused on a couple of countries. And if I can just name them quickly. So they, they encompass Nigeria, South Africa, Tanzania, Rwanda, the Central African Republic, uh, the DRC or Democratic Republic of Congo. Namibia, Zambia, and Burundi. So it's it's it is clear that they are are expanding their footprint, um, and I think developing relations with additional African countries. But if if you if you maybe if you can give us a bit of insight into what you think Korea's long term mandate is, um, and 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 how you foresee that shaping uh, future trade and investment into the African continent. Hmm. So I think that that sort of long term mandate slightly ties into. The sort of previous portion that I've, I've touched on, and I think number one, it's the offerings of Korea. So, as, as you might know, Korea doesn't have a huge amount of, of resource or natural resource. So, a lot of its success over the you know the year the years have been basically its human resource, um, which they they've applied fantastically considering the the lack of resources which they do have. I think from an African perspective, um, you know, across the whole continent, I would say we are resource rich. Um, we have a lot of access to those resources. Um, so that already makes a lot of potential in terms of the possibilities for Korea and Africa to do a lot of trade. I think the offering, as I touched on in terms of the, the Korean companies and, and their skills and technologies, I think that, you know, there's so much to look at, even in terms of if we're looking at, you know, smart cities, for example, that's an area where Korea is, you know, way above or way in front of the eight ball. Um, the technology based, I think the, the, the medical technologies. Um, so all of those make a huge amount of sense, you know, if we look at Africa and Korea. I think the, the blueprint of Korea in terms of their development. So, um, you've probably heard about the, the, the miracle of the Han River where Korea went from being a recipient of, of the, the UN aid to being one of the donors. And I think they're the only country that's ever managed to do that. So, from being probably one of the poorest economies just after the Korean War to being now one of the the top ten economies, I think it's a it's a fantastic example of just how things can be done if we if things are done in the right way. And I think from an African perspective, because we know there's a huge amount of potential, we know what we do have. I think learning a lot from how Korea went about their their transformation and how they implemented that, I think that would be a major. Um, driving force in terms of, you know, sharing that knowledge and, and resource between the two countries. From a, a cultural perspective, I think 
there are some similarities in that might sound a bit foreign between Korean and Africa, but Korea has a, a concept of jong, which is sort of for the betterment of of the community and of um, as a large, uh, which is similar to the sort of African um, concept of Ubuntu. So, in terms of that sort of mindset, I think there's also a lot of of inter interlayers which 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 cross over really nicely. And then I think finally, in terms of we call it the blue ocean, I think there's so much of Korea and so much of Africa that the two don't understand that um, I think once those opportunities start coming out and people realize what there is and what there is, what the the potential is, I, I think there's going to be a huge amount of, of long-term interest between between the two countries. You know, as an example, Brennan, just being out, you know, in December for for some business meetings with a lot of the banks and some of the large corporates back home, although they might know the Samsung LGs, there's a huge amount of of other companies with fantastic products that once you start mentioning it, the sort of light bulbs, as you mentioned, start popping and you think, wow, there's a lot of potential and, and opportunity. So I, I think from a long-term yeah. perspective, um, there, there can be no other region where Korea needs to focus. I think that is the focus for the next, you know, 40, 50, 60 years. Uh, so yeah. I think going forward that there's great amount of potential there. Uh, that's fantastic. Um, so, Tim, you mentioned, I think, from an African market perspective, trading into uh, into Korea, the, the limitations in respect of the free trade agreements. But if you flipped it on its head, I mean, based in Korea yourself, I mean, what difficulties, what difficulties do you see or limitations in regard to trade and investment from Korean companies into African markets? I mean, wh- what are the points that that are inhibiting that investment and trade flows? So, then, Brenna, I, I think you're touching it. I think a lot of it is. Is people's perceptions, and I think it it's naive in, in in some perspective. So often we hear when we're talking to clients, well, you know, the, the distance, you know, in terms of even transport and, and the goods and the, the tariffs on that is an issue. But you know, if we look at where Korea trading in in other parts of the world, I don't think that really makes a huge amount of sense. I think second point to that is there's a perception too that you know the continent as a whole is generally not a very secure region for investment purposes. Whether that be, you know, from the protection of the investments or even to the sort of political security. But again, I, th- I think that's a very blinkered approach or, or look at things. I, I often, and I've used this quite often, it, it's called the, the, the um, global, what do they call it? Legal index, I think it is, where it, it, it's a, a document that's put together that looks at all the, the jurisdictions across the globe in terms of the the safety and security, and it looks at different factors in terms of, you know, political security, the the rule of law, protection of investments, etc. And Africa actually far ranks a lot of the the countries which Korea does a lot of business with. For example, you know, China is one of the big um, investment and and trade partners of Korea. Uh, Vietnam also a massive area where they've put a huge amount of investment into. But in terms of that global ranking, I think they you know rank about 100 or 90 to 100. Whereas a lot of African com- countries are sort of 40 or 50 on, on the scale. So, you know, I don't think there's a huge amount of, not truth, but there's, there's, it's, it's just a slight perspective, which I think is slightly warped by maybe it's negative press, maybe negative experiences of, of past um, happenings that always seems to come out with um, a slight twist on it. So I think those are difficulties in terms of trade and investment into, into South Africa and Africa as the continent itself. But I think the way to get around that is by by having these kind of discussions and and talking about you know the opportunities the companies the the way of doing business on on the continent because 
I see it as a, a fantastic opportunity for everyone. Yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm certain um, that the, your your role in the Chamber of Commerce and, and certainly from a Connect Africa perspective, that's certainly something we're trying to do. And I think that's also really the aim of of this podcast series. So hopefully we can contribute towards demystifying those uh, those theories. So uh, Tim, obviously the world currently is is beset with geopolitical issues. Um, uh, most recently, the U.S. has enacted the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, I mean, how, you know, is that going to have an impact on Korean companies, uh, their supply chains? And do you think that holds out any sort of positive outcome in respect of Africa stepping in? Definitely. But then I think that's, you know, currently that's a major hot issue in, in Korea at the moment. So with the Inflation Reduction Act and, and there being sort of the U.S. government's approach to say, well, you need to start, you know, sourcing products which are not from China. And I think they, within sort of the next four to five years, they have to be sort of zero products, especially on, on the core materials of certain products. So from a Korean company perspective, I think that's a major issue, primarily because uh, China supplies a, a lot of raw materials and, and resource to Korean that perspective. So even, for example, in the semiconductor and the chips, a lot of the, the core elements are, are directly from uh, China, up to even 100% in, in many instances. So I think that's going to have a massive impact in terms of the supply chain of Korea, where they really need to look at alternatives and really quickly as well. And I think one of those is Africa. So in terms of all the, the components, whether that be you know metals, lead, nickels, et cetera, particularly even with the, the electric batteries, I think that opens up a huge amount of doors. To give you some background, you know, Traditionally, of course, you know, the US and Korea and Japan are sort of you know, close allies on this side. Um, and on the other side of the fence, you've got China. But because they are close neighbors, Korea and China have done a huge amount of, of trade and, and investment with each other. And a couple of years back, probably four or five, we had the Thaad missile incident where, you know, the US government had put their Thaad missile system into Korea and China didn't like that. Um, and basically then, you know, canceled all tourist visas for, for China into Korea, which was massive because at the time there was, I think, up to a million tourists and foreign visitors to Korea from China at the time. Likewise, it also prevented investment from, from Chinese company into Korea, which meant that, you know, a lot of M&A deals and, and uh, investment opportunities, you know, fell through, through, through the roof, unfortunately. So it's quite sensitive in terms of that. So Korea is placed, you know, almost on sort of no man's land because damned if you do, damned if you don't. So I think that opens up, you know, a huge amount of, of offering for, for Africa to say, well, you know, you can't source things there, but we have these things. So yes. I'm quite excited by that. Although, you know, looking at it from the other part, you know, of course, it's it's not good to have these kind of restrictions on, on trade, but from an African sure. perspective, I think that's great. Yeah, and I think you touched on the one around the electric batteries and that sort of stuff and sourcing raw materials from Africa. Um, I mean, we had a discussion with another Connect Africa member, Ross Gregory, which will come out around uh, supply chains and, and uh, materials for those type of things and EVs. So I think it's going to be a very interesting space and hopefully Africa can play a, a large role in that going forward. So Tim, just to wrap it up, maybe. Um, yeah, if you can maybe give us a quick summation um, in terms of your views of uh, Korea Africa going forward. Um, you've touched on it briefly about sort of, uh, you know, um, getting people familiar with the content and how to investments. But in terms of your role, both as a heading up the Africa desk for the law firm and, and the Chamber of Commerce, you know, what do you see the next steps in the next coming years to try and uh, to try and get that uh, impetus going? Sure. So I think 
Briefly, Brendan, I think, you know, one, I think an FTA would be worthwhile. Um, there has been discussions within Korea to have a Korea Africa FTA signed, um, but that takes time. So, you know, often that it takes a lot longer than, than what we like to do from the private sector. But I, I think that would really encourage it. Um, also, because you've got the, the Africa free trade area now, too. So, you know, if you have an FTA with, with Korea, I think it'll be massive for them in terms of getting their products across the, the, the continent and likewise for African products into Korea. I think awareness and education, and I think that's part where the chamber is really trying to push on in terms of discussions, as I mentioned, investment seminars, seminars on, on business in Africa, business in Korea. I think that's just raising the awareness and the understanding of, of the two different cultures. I think also, you know, and that's what I like about the Connect Africa as well, the active sourcing of, of people that are genuinely passionate and interested in Africa. I think that's quite essential that we find the right partners that have that passion behind it because um, working with those people sort of gains momentum and energy because we're all on the same page working for for the same purpose. Um, I also think one of the the areas we need to really consider from private sector too is long-term planning and relationships. So often these days, companies are only looking for sort of short ROIs and investment for five years and then pulling out. I don't think that's the the business or the blueprint for, for successful business in Africa. I think you really need to look at it as a long-term partner, almost like a marriage. And if you're going to go in there, we're looking at for the next, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. I think that'll also improve in terms of um, the way we look at, at business in Africa. So I think if we can at least do that from our perspective, then hopefully that will raise the the sort of the trade and investment between the two countries. Oh, that's great. Well, Tim, thanks very much. I mean, I certainly have learned a little bit reading up uh, prior to uh, this podcast, just on the Korea and Africa and the relations between the two countries. And I think it's it's also fantastic to have you part of the Connect Africa initiative. Um, I think also for members in Africa that are looking to explore into East and Southeast Asia, it's great to have you as a contact and a go-to uh, representing, obviously, the Chamber of Commerce and also the Africa Desk of, uh, of the law firm. So, Tim, thanks very much. I appreciate your time, and um, we'll, uh, we'll keenly uh, watch relations going forward. Thank you, Brennan, and thank you for your time and also for your efforts with the, the Connect Africa. I think it's a, it's a great platform, and, you know, I very welcome and happy to be a part of it. All right, cheers.